Well, good morning. If we have not met, my name is Amanda Hardiman, and I have the pleasure of serving on staff here at First Methodist Mansfield. Uh, We are in our last week of our Jonah series. We are going to be looking over Jonah chapter 3 and chapter 4. If you have your Bibles, I want to invite you to open up your Bibles to Jonah chapter 3. If you did not bring your Bibles, we have some for you. Uh, They should be in front of you. Um, I'd love for you to do that and pick that up as we continue this series. I love the book of Jonah. Uh, This is the third week I have had the opportunity to come to you and speak on one of my favorite books of the Bible. I love Jonah because Jonah's real. Uh, Jonah is definitely who we are at times, and that will become abundantly clear today as we read the scriptures. Uh, For those of you guys that are not familiar with Jonah or you think of Jonah in a uh, a, a nursery kind of concept or a Sunday school kind of concept, uh, Jonah is much deeper than that. It is so much more than Jonah and a whale. Uh, It is so much more about God's grace and how God's grace works throughout all of the scriptures, uh, and that is what we are going to learn today. Each and every week, we ask ourselves this question, where is your Nineveh? Uh, God called Jonah to go to Nineveh, and Jonah said, no thank you, and went the opposite way. It went deep into the belly of a boat uh, to hide from God, and God uh, was not done with Jonah yet. So God sent the wind. Uh, God uh, sent uh, the wind and made the sailors on the boat uh, really come closer to God throughout the whole process, even through uh, Jonah's Denial of who God was and what God is doing. Uh, through all of it, they threw Jonah overboard to calm the seas. The seas quickly calmed. The sailors turned to God, and uh, their lives had never been the same since. Jonah got swallowed up by a whale, and we learned last week uh, that that was really a good time out for Jonah. It was a time, three days, to be swallowed up by a big fish, to really sit in his stink, to sit in the uh, decisions that he has made to be Uh, that has brought him there. We've all had that, right? We make a series of decisions that bring us to a point where we need to sit in our stink. But through all of that stink, Jonah turned to God and repented and realized uh, that God was not done with him yet. And so uh, the Lord uh, or the fish vomited Jonah onto the shore. That was one of my favorite scriptures. Uh, And uh, through that said, you're not done and I need you to go. And that is where we are picking up today. So Jonah 3 Um, Verse 1, when the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim proclaim to it the message I give you. Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. Now, Nineveh was a very large city. It took three days to go through it. I never remembered that until reading this scripture again. It wasn't an easy trip for Jonah to make three days. Days, there's, symbol, there's symbolism in that three days in a big fish, three days to get to Nineveh. Jonah began by going a day's journey into the city, proclaiming 40 more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. The Ninevites believed God. A fast was proclaimed and all of them from the greatest to the least put on a sackcloth. When Jonah's warning reached the king of Nineveh, he rose to his throne, took off his royal robes, covered himself in sackcloth and sat down in the dust. This is the proclamation he issued in Nineveh. By the decree of the king and his nobles, do not let people or animals, herds or flocks, taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink, but let people and animals be covered in sackcloth. Let everyone call urgently to God. Let them give up their evil ways and their violence. Who knows? God may yet repent and relent with his compassion and turn his fierce anger so that we will not perish. When God saw what they did and how they to return from their evil ways, he relented 
and did not bring on them the destruction that he had threatened. For, uh, chapter 4 is my favorite chapter of all of Jonah. You'll see why. But to Jonah, this seemed very wrong, and he became angry. He prayed to the Lord, isn't this what I said, Lord, when I was still at home? That this, that that is what I tried to foretell by fleeting to Tarshish. I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Now, Lord, take my life, for it is better for me to die than to live. But the Lord replied, is it right for you to be angry? Jonah had gone out and sat down at a place east of the city. There he made a, himself a shelter, sat in its shade, and waited to see what would happen to the city. Then the Lord provided a leafy plant and made it grow up over Jonah to give shade for his head and to ease his discomfort. And Jonah was very happy about the plant. But at dawn the next day, God provided a worm, which chewed up the plant so, it, so that it withered. When the sun rose, God provided a scorching east wind, and the sun blazed on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. He wanted to die and said, it would be better for me to die than to live. But God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry about the plant? It is, he said, and I'm so angry I wish I were dead. But the Lord said, if you have been concerned about this plant, though you did not tend to it or make it grow, it sprang up overnight and died overnight. And should I not have concern for the great city of Nineveh, in which there were more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left, and also many animals. We have a lot to learn through these words. We have a lot to learn through these scriptures. It's so much more than Jonah and a whale. To summarize, Jonah was given a second chance. So then he went to Nineveh, and it took three days for him to get there, and he preached an eight-word sermon trying to relay the message that the choices that Ninevites had made will end in complete destruction. And instead, God chose to save them. So then Jonah got real mad and a little bit dramatic, amen? And God continues to show Jonah, show Jonah grace and love despite his attitude and his outlook. Week after week, we have learned that the book of Jonah can teach us so much. We can learn the surface lessons like don't run from God and the, the lesson is good for us not to run from God. But this goes so much more. We have so much more to learn. Jonah 3 and Jonah 4 teaches us some hard lessons. Here's what is hard for us to learn. Everybody deserves a second chance. Everybody deserves a second chance. Last week we talked about how we serve a God who is a God of second chances and praise God for that because all of us have been given the ability to live life according to what God calls us to do a second time, to redirect, to go where God calls us to go. But that is not just saved for us. Sometimes we can get a narrow vision and think, I need a second chance, but them over there, they, they dug their own grave. They don't deserve a second chance. Everybody deserves a second chance. In this case, God was the one that gave the second chance to the Ninevites. But in life, sometimes we are called to give people second chances as well. Who in your life do you need to give a second chance to? 
I uh, realized yesterday I was making a peanut butter and honey sandwich for my son, which is um, consistently his diet these days. Uh, and as I was doing it, I had a brand new uh, bear of honey, and I had a not brand new, very low, you had to work really hard to get the honey out, honey. And so I was faced with the decision, do I just throw that bear away that has very little honey, it's going to take a lot of work, or do I use the new one? What do I do with that? And I realized as I was really trying hard to get that honey out, it's a lot of work, you guys, uh, to get that honey out, that too many times I make the choice just to give up. I'm going to go ahead and discard this and work with this. I do it with toiletries. I do it with time. If I'm really honest, sometimes I, I do it with relationships. I do it with books. I'm almost done. I'll just go ahead and call it a day. Do you do that? Do you throw out things? Do you decide to discard things when they are not finished yet? God chose to not discard the Ninevites. God chose that he was not done with Nineveh. And because of Jonah, that message was delivered. I am not done with you yet. We should not give up. Are you spending time throwing things away? discarding things that are not yet finished because it's too hard. It's too hard to do. The next thing we have to learn, the hard lesson for us to learn, is we are in charge of the message God has given us. We are not in charge of what God does from there and what other people do from there as well. We are only in charge of the message God has given us. It's important for us to remember that life is not fair, that when we give that message, when we are asked to say this or to do this, that that is what we are called to do, but we are not in charge of the response that follows. We're not in charge of what God does with our hearts. We are in charge of the message. And as soon as we can honestly accept that, the sooner we can claim the truth and the fact that we don't have control over most things around us. What we can control is the message that was given. Can you imagine the tone that Jonah gave when he gave that eight-word message? I think of Jonah just kind of being, oh, in these past two chapters. I picture Jonah being exhausted. And here I was. I was given this task. I got on a boat, survived a storm, got in a whale, and now it's time. It's time for me to give this message. Jonah gave an eight-word message that changed, that changed all of Nineveh, even the animals. We are called to give a message. What eight-word message are you called to give? If eight words is too much, and if it's too hard to really think about how God is using you, I want to tell you that all of us have a three-word message that we are responsible for because Christ died for us. Three words are simple. You are loved. Many times in life, I don't know what to say and I don't know what to do, but I do know I'm responsible to make sure everybody knows that they are loved. Let me talk to the kids out here for a moment because we have lots of kids in here. I love it. You started school, right? You started school. You're about to start school. Everybody is in charge of this message. What would it look like tomorrow if you went to school and you found one person and said, you are loved? It doesn't have to do with I love you. It doesn't have to be awkward, right? 
But what if you went to that person that sat by themselves because school's awkward and you don't know where to sit and you don't know who to talk to? You're at recess and, and there's someone just standing by themselves. You have a task to do. You are loved. And adults, we do not age out of this process. It becomes a lot more difficult sometimes as adults to take risks, to deliver a message that just involves three words, you are loved. Challenge yourself, challenge your family to deliver this message in any way that you can. That is what we are responsible for. What we do with the people that hear that message, how they claim that, is not up to us. We're not responsible for that. We are responsible to make sure everybody knows that they are loved. The next thing for us to learn is that we can turn to God with our anger. We can turn to God with our anger. Jonah knew in his heart before he even started his three-day and more journey to Nineveh that God would spare these people because he is a God of love and mercy. And that is why he ran. Ultimately, it had nothing to do with not having the courage to say those eight words. It had nothing to do with what would happen next. It had nothing to do with the the impending destruction that would happen. It had everything to do with Jonah's heart and the fact that he didn't think they deserved God's love. And that's why he ran. That's why he ran from the message that God called him to have. One of the greatest lessons I learned from my mom is that I can vent to God and to be honest. I was a teenager once. Teenager angst is real, uh, even if you go to church every single week. Uh, it is real. And so I would be, I was angry for a while, uh, and my mom just told me, go to God. Pray to God. It doesn't matter how angry you are. Go to God. God is big enough for your anger. Jonah was raw and real and even to the point of being a little dramatic, and that's why I love Jonah. Because Jonah didn't hide his feelings. He didn't sugarcoat anything when he turned to the Lord in anger, saying, I knew you were going to do this, and this is exactly why I ran. What if we were that honest with God in our prayers? What if we truly said what was on our heart? Because, spoiler alert, you can't hide your heart from God. God already knows your heart. And the fact that you can vocalize how angry you are at situations where I knew you were going to forgive this person and I'm not ready, that honesty That honesty is beautiful, and God is big enough to hear that from you. And your heart deserves to pour that out to the person that created your heart in the first place. Having an honest conversation with the one who created you is a way to move forward in your relationship with God. The next thing for us to learn is it's not up to us to judge because we are not perfect. I love how quickly Jonah switched gears from being thankful, praying this prayer that was beautiful inside of that stinky fish, praying that beautiful prayer of, I'm never turning back. I've got this. Beautiful. He switched gears from doing that to, I knew you were going to do this. I'd rather die than see what this is going to happen. I'd rather not be here anymore than to live in a world where they can be saved. How quickly He turned. Chapter 4 of Jonah is my absolute favorite because that's where that true drama is. That truth that we sugarcoat and we don't even look at anymore. We stick with chapter 1. We love chapter 2 because that's where the whale comes in. But when it comes to chapter 4, we don't grasp those things because it's too real for so many of us. This is where we experience that. We need to constantly push pause and ask ourselves, where is this anger and this resentment 
towards this person, this group of people, myself coming from. One of my favorite verses explains this, Matthew 7, 3 through 4, it says this. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there's a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye. Then you will see clearly and remove the speck from your brother's eye. Do you have a plank in your eye? I love this imagery because it's true. Having a speck in your eye is one thing, right? Having a little piece of sand, we've all lived in that world, right? It hurts. But too quickly we ignore the huge plank that is in our own eye. We ignore what is going on in our own lives because it's easy to look real closely at the speck in their eyes and decide that they don't deserve what I do. We may not be bold, we not, may not be brave enough to say those words, but in our hearts, there are times we can get there real quick. We are quick to blame, quick to see faults, and slow to really see what is going on in our own eye or in our own heart. Things for us to remember is if we deserve unconditional love, so does everybody else. If we deserve unconditional love, so does everybody else. The Lord provided so much for Jonah. Jonah decided to go this way instead of this way, and the Lord provided wind, and the Lord provided a big fish, and the Lord provided a plant. And all along, the Lord provided a one-on-one conversation with Jonah. Mouth to ear, my heart to yours. The Lord provided for Jonah. And the Lord will provide for us as well. But that also means that the Lord provides for others. The Lord will provide. We need to trust that the Lord is part of the bigger picture. And that big picture we cannot see or truly experience until we're open to what the Lord is doing in our lives. Look at Jonah and the plant. This is what I love. The first time he ever showed compassion, (laughs) ever showed compassion and love in anything in this whole book was towards this plant. He loved that plant. He didn't love the sailors that, that tried to save his life by rowing away from the storm. He didn't love the fact that the Ninevites turned from their ways. He loved a plant that was in his life for a very short period of time. And I love how the Lord quickly linked that plant to Nineveh. Verse 6 says this, Then the Lord provided a leafy plant and made it grow over Jonah to shade, give shade for his head, to ease his discomfort. How much the Lord provide for us to ease our discomfort? And Jonah was very happy about the plant. But at the dawn of the next day, God provided a worm, which chewed the plant so that it withered. When the sun rose, God provided a scorching east wind, and the sun blazed on Jonah's head so that he grew faint, and he wanted to die. Such extremes with Jonah. And he said, it would be better for me to die than to live. But God said to Jonah, it is right for you to be angry about the plant. Is it right for you to be angry about the plant? It is, he said. I'm so angry I wish I were dead. The Lord said, you have been concerned about this plant, though you did not tend to it or make it grow. It sprang up overnight and died overnight. And should I not have concern to the great city of Nineveh, in which there are more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left, and also many animals? 
Too many times we're angry with the plants, you guys. Too many times we're so angry that we don't want to do this anymore. But a plant that the Lord provided for us that we had no control over in the first place, that gave us comfort because the Lord loves us. Life doesn't provide moments that are tied up with big bows. Life doesn't provide moments that are, that are real easy. Too many times we just stop and ask ourselves, is it right for us to be angry about this? Is it right for me to be angry about this? What I love about our life, what I love about the way we were created is we have all the abilities to feel all the feelings. We say a lot in our household, this explains this, but does not excuse this. It explains this. Our son is tired, so he says lots of things. He's hungry, hangry. He says lots of things. It explains it but does not excuse it. Is it right for me to be angry about this? What is your plant? What has God created for you to teach about his grace? The Lord uses plants and people and conversations and moments to teach us about his grace. Maybe not just for ourselves, but grace for them over there. The problem is that we don't stop long enough to see it. I love uh, how Jonah 4 ends, because it doesn't. The last thing, the last four words, it says is, and also many animals, and that's it. You have no idea what happens next. What did Jonah do from there? Was he still dramatic in his ways? I'd rather die than live like this. What happened next? This isn't a mistake. That This isn't somebody that just gets tired and wants to throw out the rest of it. This is intentional because this is a good reminder to remind us that our story never ends. That life is raw and real and never ending, but so is God's grace. And that life does not end with a nice big bow to say, I'm done with this in my life and it's time to move on here. Life does not work that way. There's more to your story. God is still working in your life. So as we close today, I really want you to think about who you identify most. Do you identify with the Jonah 3 Ninevites? Do you identify that you have been in a road of destruction for a very long time, that you don't even know who you are? Last week, we talked about looking in the mirror and say, how did I get here? Do you find yourself there today? How did I get here? I'm not who I once was. I'm not who God's calling me to be. How did I get here? And do you need to hear a message? A message given to you that will turn your life around. Are you Jonah in Jonah 3? Do you have a message, a plan, a mission that God is calling you to complete and you're ready to do it? What eight words of truth do you need to speak into the lives of others? We all know the three words that we are called to say, you are loved. What is that mission for you? What does that look like for you knowing that you have no control in the next things that happen after those three words or eight words or whatever words leave your mouth? Or are you Jonah in Jonah 4? Are you angry? Are you confused? If you're honest, are you a little dramatic? But are you being real with God in the same time? Do you need to turn to God in your anger and say, is it right for me to be angry about this? 
Do you judge others instead of looking at yourself? Is the Lord trying to show you grace through the little things in life? And your default is anger and not gratitude. I'm thankful for Jonah. I'm thankful that there was no filter on this book in the Bible. That we got to see some of those raw and real and human because that's who we are as well. But the never-ending story that's weaved through this book of the Bible is that God's grace will never leave us. No matter if we hide, no matter if we're angry, no matter if we think that we don't deserve it or somebody else, think of how many times God showed his love and grace. In a story that we make two words, Jonah and a whale, God provided grace and love, never-ending love, despite who Jonah was, despite the delivery or non-delivery of the message that God called Jonah to give. I'm thankful that this book does not end perfectly because God was not done with Jonah, and God is not done with us yet. Are you thankful too? I challenge you, if you have not read all of Jonah, to read all of Jonah. It's not like the honey. Like you can get through it. There's, there's not a lot there that you have to read. It's very short. But read each word and ask yourself, how is God speaking to me today? I'm thankful for this time. I'm thankful for this moment to be able to really look at how God loves all of us and challenge all of us to give the message, you are loved. Will you pray with me? Holy Father, thank you for your love. Thank you for showing us your love despite our anger. Thank you for showing us your love despite what we think is right and we think is wrong. Lord, thank you. Thank you for loving us and giving us that love and that message to give. And Lord, I pray as we leave this place, no matter how old we are, no matter if this is the first time that we have been to church or this is the umpteenth time we've been to church, Lord, I pray that we give that message. We allow others to know that they are loved despite the fact that we may not think that they need to be. That we're not ready to forgive. Lord, I pray that we give that message so that it changes the lives of others, but that it changes our life as well. I thank you for your unending grace and the ways that you show it through small things that become big things if we just stop and allow those things to change our lives. For Jehovah's name we pray. Amen.